0: Let's get spooky and silly in the summertime. We're talking the Latex Avenger and Halloween Man crossover with creators Drew Edwards, Dan Price, and Paolo Hernandez on our Byword Big Talk this week. The Byword begins now. Welcome into an exclusive episode of the Nerd ByWord podcast. I'm here with my buddy Dave, I'm Chris, and we're here to bring you the most pressing news, nerd commendations, and big talk material in the nerd multiverse. Uh, before we get into our ByWord big talk with a three-headed monster, uh, that is creators Drew Edwards, Dan Price, and Paula Hernandez, Uh, about the Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger crossover event that is coming to Indiegogo on the 6th of July. It is, of course, first time for... Nerd News! Dave, this is something we've touched on in the Nerd News segment before, but it bears uh, repeating, it would seem.
1: Yeah. So, uh, WTF is going on with Ezra Miller. Uh, the actor is, uh, facing a whole slew of legal problems and has since like vanished from the face of the earth, apparently. Um, so, uh, Miller is facing legal issues in Hawaii, in Massachusetts, and now in North Dakota. Now we've previously talked about the fact that there were some assault allegations in Hawaii, um, that seemed to have you know slowly blown over, but now things have really, really taken a dark turn. Um, there's a North Dakota tribal court has issued a protective order against uh, Miller due to allegations that they had groomed an 18-year-old beginning at age 12. Uh, things then uh, took another bizarre turn uh, as Miller posted uh, several images on Instagram, uh, apparently Uh, including quotes like, you cannot touch me, I'm in another universe. Uh, There was also sort of a lengthy paragraph about how they are trying to stay away from negative people and their ill intent. Uh, And then Miller appears to have deleted their Instagram account. And now they are sort of in the wind. Uh, There have been some reports that... um, people have been trying to you know find him to speak to him uh due to his you know due to their legal issues and ultimately uh are not able to find them right now uh so obviously this is a very very fraught situation it also raises some questions for the nerd world particularly because miller's flash movie uh, which also features the premiere of a new supergirl as well as the return of michael keaton as batman uh, that movie is set to release here pretty soon and wb finds themselves once again in a quagmire of a situation because uh one of their movies is in a very awkward spot how do you proceed with something like this the movie is by you know all accounts finished and do your release as as is hold back and try to see this all blow over. Um, try to recast and reshoot you know, the, an entire movie, which seems not exactly cost effective. The whole thing is a huge mess. And there are already have been reports that WB has decided, even if the flash movie is a success, that they will no longer be working with Miller moving forward. So, Oof, Chris, uh, there's a lot to unpack here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the reports that I saw said that virtually every scene um, would have to be reshot, and basically the entire movie would have to be scrapped if they were to recast the role. It's virtually impossible because just from from looking at the outside looking in, I I believe that Miller is portraying multiple versions of Barry Allen. Um, So kind of like some side-by-side type stuff. So not only are they playing the main universe, DCEU, Barry, they're playing small universe versions of the character as well. So, um, virtually every scene contains them in it, which is, you know, uh, next to impossible. So it, it, the, the decision would be, you know, either release it as is or to just scrap it all together, which, um, you know, rocking a hard place here. Um, this is, this is truly just a mind boggling situation. Um, You know, for those of us in the know that have kind of followed the track record, the writing was kind of on the wall with, uh, you know, these assault allegations and everything. And clearly someone who is not in a stable situation mentally. um, And it just seems to have precipitously gotten worse and worse. And, um, you know, like, I'm really not sure what the right answer is here. Um, Clearly not uh, an individual that they want to continue working with, as they've stated so this is just a really really crazy situation and another another like you said a quagmire like a, a really difficult thing that um you know a connected universe that is really struggling to get its grounding with for so many reasons in the DCEU and um, for a lot of folks this was like um like a touchstone moment that they were hoping that would kind of give some stability to this connected universe going into the future. And unfortunately it does not look like that's going to be the case.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, your nerd news story this week doesn't exactly add stability to the DCEU either. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure how to how how to respond to this story. So let's dig in, man.
0: Is this the part where we break into song?
1: Um, I, ref- I refuse to sing. Okay. I, I do not want to scare off our audience. I just, you know, <laughs> I like my audience right where it is. I don't want them to run away.
0: Okay, so um, the Oscar award-winning film Joker. Uh, from tw- uh, from 2019, uh, for which Joaquin Phoenix uh, earned the Academy Award for Best Actor, grossed a billion dollars, is indeed uh, in development of a sequel. However, some interesting news came to light this week regarding the sequel, which is set to be titled Joker Folie à Deux. Uh, I hope that's okay. My French is not that strong. Um, director of the initial film and the sequel, Todd Phillips, who is co-writing the script with Scott Silver uh, revealed on social media. That is the title of it. And sources are also saying that it is indeed a musical and that negotiations are underway with none other than Lady Gaga to portray the role of one Harley Quinn. Now this film universe of course, takes in, uh, place in a different um, universe than that of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. So we're dealing again with a multiversal situation, which seems so much as the, the du jour thing with, um, with nerd media right now. Like multiverse, do you got any more of that multiverse type stuff? So... Um, but yeah, so The Joker 2 is set to be a musical and they are trying very hard to get Lady Gaga in the role of one Harley Quinn. So Dave, your thoughts?
1: No. <laughs> like, I'll just be honest. I have like zero interest in The Joker and Harley Quinn breaking in the song. Like, I'm, I'm all for different interpretations and I'm sure there's an audience for something like this. And, you know, if, if that's what you're into, then then bless you and more power to you. But I absolutely have no interest in, in a Joker, Harley Quinn musical in any way, shape or form. Um, I Be honest with you, I've not even seen um, the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix uh, up until this point, because I'm usually not particularly interested in um, movies that exclusively focus on villains. Um, Now, I will say that uh, I've heard, you know, good things about the movie, but I also think it sounds like there's a tonal dissonance there between what the first movie was and what they're wanting to do with the sequel. I find it difficult from what I know of the Joker movie to imagine that a musical is the logical place to go next after that to be honest with you i checked the calendar when i saw the news story because i thought it must be april fool's day <laughs> uh it's it just it's so bizarre and out there and although i'll be watching the news uh, or surrounding this project very carefully i cannot imagine that i will experience any kind of joy watching it and so i have no plans to watch it chris
0: yeah i um i have not watched the first film either i i I think we that's a sentiment that we share is um for me i i i really we talked about this with watchmen and and things like gotham is like i i deal enough with cynicism and i come to media whether that's comics film or what have you looking for escapism And so something like Joker is just not for me. It's not made for me. That's totally okay. I also am very reticent to celebrate like the outcome of and the results of the Joker. I know that like at the end of the film, like there's a Joker, for lack of a better term, like cult that kind of follows that kind of behavior. And so like kind of the reaction coming out of that film while it was well received, what have you. It's like it kind of incited some latent things in a lot of young men, particularly, and like not qualities that I would want to encourage in in a population. So it's just not for me. Um, as far as this goes, is I'm a huge musical fan. I was raised on musicals. Um, whether or not this could work, or it's just an absolutely catastrophic disaster, this I'm. I mean, I'll tell you this. I'm more interested in watching this than I am the original one. So uh, time will tell.
1: Yeah, I guess that's probably the the best attitude to have towards it. I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to bring myself to actually <laughs> watch it. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. You know, t- time will tell.
0: All right. That wraps up our nerd news segments. What are your reaction to these stories, both Ezra Miller and Folier à I think I was better that time. Hit us up on social media at nerdbyword on Twitter and Instagram. And um, stick around because after this, our first break, we're going to be back with our ByWord Big Talk with um, the folks that are around Latex Avenger and the Halloween Man crossover. Hi, this is Tony Talato. Years ago, I made a decision that I would host a guest-oriented genre podcast, and Sci-Fi Talk was born. I've been very lucky to talk to amazing people, like production designer Bo Welch. And you do creepy (laughs) really well, so I, you know. Why, thank you, Tony. Sometimes guests give me a sample of the characters they play, like Second Sister from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Who is your master, Padawan? You can
1: find sci-fi talk wherever you get your podcast, as guests you know and guests you should know in genre entertainment..
0: Welcome back to the Meat and Potatoes segment of this episode, better known as the Byword. And today, it's a party, folks. We've got not one, not two, but three special guests here to talk about the crossover event that is Halloween Man and the Latex Avenger. We've got Drew Edwards, who is the writer-creator of Halloween Man. We've got Dan Bryce, who is the creator of the Latex Avenger. And Paolo Hernandez, who is the artist on the book. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on The Byword thanks for having yeah, us guys. thank you yeah we always like to start each interview with our guests nerd origin story in this case the question is really twofold um you're all creators as well um what were your first experiences with w- nerd media and uh how did you get started in the business of making comics so we've got a round table here drew we're going to start with you so I grew
2: up in a very rural area of Texas called Possum Kingdom. So I I didn't have a local comic shop or anything like that growing up. Like uh, the so toadies, I, like the toadies song. Exactly, the- exactly like the toadies song. <laughs> the toadies song is is taken from my from my home. Yes. Um, so. Uh, what I would do as a kid though, how I got into comics is I would jump on my bike and I would ride up to the local library and I, th- my library had all these like hard bound comics that went all the way back to the, to the thirties and up into like the seventies. So like my first comic books were, were actually mostly golden and silver age comics and, you know, the, the newest comic I probably got the read as a kid was was Tomb of Dracula, ironically. And um, that really helped kind of form my tastes in comics for a long time. I, you know, my I was actually talking about this before we started recording. My favorite characters are the Fantastic Four, which are very tied to the Silver Age. Like, I, I just really love that whole time period. And um, the moment I got old enough to understand that uh making comics could be a job that's really when i i
3: started to to pursue that
0: all right dan what about you
3: man it's uh not too far off from drew's uh uh superman and condor man those two movies as a little kid were were you know the christopher reeves superman movie uh that was that was i had a red towel that i ran around the house you know wearing at all times yeah, and uh, Condor Man, which was a Disney movie, uh, that was about a comic book artist who uh, a comic book artist who would only do in his comic what he could do in real life. So he was Condor Man, and he flew around with these gigantic wings. That movie's awesome too. So those two things, uh, Saturday morning cartoons. And then when I was eight years old, uh, there was a collected, like a miniseries that Marvel did called Marvel Saga back in the 80s. And it just collected old 60s, you know, Silver Age stuff and put the whole history of the Marvel Universe together for people who were trying to pick it up. And that and X-Men 207 with that cover of Wolverine ripping through the cover by John Romita Jr. Uh, those were the uh, those were the things that kicked it off for me. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was and I was hooked you know hooked I didn't know I wanted to do comics until I was about sixteen when uh, image became a thing and ever you had people creating their own books and doing their own thing and once that became a once that became a reality that you could make your own comics, create your own characters, then I wanted in um that's when it really became a thing for me
0: okay, what about you Paolo uh
4: me I actually got started with uh anime uh my brother would show me uh, all these animes and back then there was only a few animes out there. And so I got to see like, you know, Ninja Scroll and Pat labor and Rama one half and some, all those animes like blew me away. I thought they were like fantastic stories and stuff. And that's what got me into like wanting to make my own stories. But then later on I started um, I think my brother uh, came into town because he was uh, in the military and he brought over like a stack of comic books and that his friend had that he had doubles of. And uh, he wanted him to try to sell the comics, see how much money he can get. He ended up not being able to sell a lot of them because there were a lot, of, a lot of the 90s comics that like they made way too many of them. And uh, he ended up just giving them to me. And that's when I started reading them. And uh, at first I thought it was like a, a money thing. Oh, I'll go little by little and sell them so I can get, you know, uh, some snacks at the corner store or something. And uh, uh, I ended up just reading them and I fell in love with them and I I ended up keeping them and I still have them to this day. And uh, it got me into uh, comics from anime to comics. And uh, I started really liking uh, indie comics and uh, in high, and that was in middle school. And in high school, uh, I, I, I saw a lot of uh, artists like, drawing out anime stuff and and um, hybrid of anime and western style and I was like I want to do that like I have all these stories I want to be able to draw so I started drawing in high school and ever since then I always wanted to be like in the indie scene to make indie comics and stuff and and tell stories that you don't normally see in the I guess the uh, comic shelves that you know like from the big two like Marvel and DC and stuff.
1: Do you have a
0: particular character or two that you used to doodle like with, like that was your go-to one
4: when you started drawing? Oh, geez. I, I know that even in early on, there was a, a character that I, of my own character that I would draw. Uh, and every time, like I would have like a draw a drawer's block or writer's block or whatever, I, I, I didn't know what to draw. So I would draw this character and it was, it was the, my version of a, it's like, um, like Neil Gaiman's death, like it would say girl, and it's sort of the same thing, but it was like my version of death, as as a girl, and I would always draw her, and after I draw her, I would always like all these ideas would flood in, so then I would keep going, so that that's what I always that was my go to thing to draw, and the name of my character was Novelin, so.
1: So, another question for each of you: uh, Who would you list as your greatest influence as a creator? Uh, let's start with you, Paulo.
4: Uh, my greatest influence—it's uh, probably going to be Adam Warren. Um, it was the first time that I saw like a really good mix of both uh, the anime style, you know, manga style, mixed with um, Western style kind of comics, and I really like that mesh between the two. And ever since then, like I I love his stuff. I love reading his comic books, and so he's been an inspiration to me to to get better with my art. But I'd have to say that my my greatest influence as as a creator uh, has to be uh, my community, like Drew and Dan, and I really like that. They keep pushing forward, you know, through any every obstacle that comes about, like everybody in the art community, like they all have day jobs, but they do, you know, at night they're grinding, you know, grinding out pages and, and comics and ideas and writing stuff. And I, I really like that. And I, I love the artist community that that I have here in Austin and they they influence me every day to keep going. That seems to
0: be like a real hotbed. Like recently, Austin is is a happening spot for the comics community.
4: Hmm. I like hearing that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Austin, Austin, uh, it's always been a good, had a good vibe to it when it came to the comic book creators. Um, I was always impressed when, because we've all known each other probably, what, about 10 years at this point? At, At least. Yeah. Yeah and uh it has always been amazing when you saw all the comic creators in austin come together because there'd be oodles of them i mean like now it's kind of slimmed down a little bit everybody's kind of gotten you know gotten older kind of you know settled into their lives but they're still out there and still working you know so we don't see each other as much but yeah there's a lot of really fun stuff going on in austin when it comes to indie comics
1: all right, Dan, how about you? Greatest influence as a creator?
3: Oh, greatest influence as a creator. Um, I mean, if you uh, Frank Miller, Jack Kirby, John Romita Jr. Um, Matt Wagner, uh, Francis Leno, you is somebody I've gotten into in recent years. Paulo, because he's my inspiration. Uh, the uh, no, I mean, that's as an artist, as a writer, I'm. I, I, I'm more literary for as a writer. I like comic book writers, but like uh, I think probably uh, Kurt Vonnegut is the biggest influence on my you know on my writing um, as well as. Uh, but yeah, Miller to me is the is the total package as an indie comics creator. He's an artist. He's a writer. He can do the whole damn thing. To me, he's he's the total package.
1: Uh, and finally, Drew, what are your thoughts there?
3: Well,
2: uh, you know outside of the initial one, two punch of, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby because of their, their run on fantastic four. Uh, I, I do have some more contemporary influences. I, I always say my favorite writer is Grant Morrison. Like pretty much if Grant Morrison's oh. name is on the book, I'm, I'm going to pick it up. Um, you know, I, I, you know, like most people if, uh you know, most, comic book writers of my generation i do owe a great debt to alan moore uh you know neil gaiman all those all those you know uk invasion writers um i'm also a big horror fan so a lot of my influences are horror directors you know going all the way back to the golden age like i love james whale i love terence fisher uh you know stuff more from from my childhood i i love Sam Raimi, you know, I think almost everybody picks up on the Sam Raimi influence in my work. I I love Clive Barker. Uh you know, like all of those things is this this kind of stew that comes together that makes my writing style. I'm 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 also an old punk rocker, so like I owe a lot to like the punk ethos of do it yourself and you know, just throw yourself into thing and let passion you know, dictate, you know, and you'll learn on the way as you go. Because I certainly when I started making comics, it was it was all passion and no precision. You know, I've gotten better since then. But, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, being really into punk rock, I, I don't think I would have really followed this life path.
0: OK, so that's like a natural segue, you, uh, Drew. You got to tell us about the origins of Halloween Man as a character. Um, you kind of hinted at it already. But where did all of this come from?
2: so halloween man um (laughs) the name halloween man comes from a the misfits song actually halloween um because i i was trying to come up with the name of a character and this is when i had relocated from possum kingdom to to dallas and i was just driving around in my car listening to you know the misfits on repeat and You know halloween 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 i kept hearing that and i was like halloween man that's that's a good name for a superhero um but as far as like the the roots of the character um so there's two things one um As a monster movie guy, I always wanted to see the monster survive. Like, if you watch a lot of monster movies, be it King Kong, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Wolfman, like at the end of it, they're, they're always sort of, they're wiped out, you know, because the monster is the other and, you know, they have to put the other back in its, its place at the end of the story. Um, I wanted to continue on past that. I wanted the monster be the good guy. So there was that. Uh, there's a, a deeper thing there though um I also always say Halloween man has been my therapy um when I was not even twenty one years of age i I have I'm a twin um and I was in a car accident when I was you know young that killed my my twin and uh if I hadn't had this comic is like a way to give myself something to focus on is something to make myself get out of bed every morning something to uh put my my feelings into i don't think that i would have made you know i'm i'm in my 40s now and i don't think i would have made it this long without that and even the way the character looks cuz he's kind of you know a- asymmetrical sort of you know shades of phantom of the opera shades of two face you know, that's sort of how I felt as like, I felt like half a monster and half a man. So it was like my way of, of visualizing that because I had tremendous survivor guilt and PTSD and I deal with a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, not just from that trauma, but from, from other traumas in my life. Um, I, I have, uh, what's, what's called dissociative identity disorder, which is now only really beginning to get, uh, more understood in the larger, uh, you know, s- larger society. But, uh, you know, Halloween man has been my way of like dealing with all these different struggles that I've had to have throughout my life. And, you know, I put those feelings in to something that's more positive. It's, it's kind of weird because everybody reads Halloween, Halloween man, they see it as this sort of jovial, funny comic, but, uh, I'm processing through a lot of pain with that. And, uh, it's, it's just been a really important thing to me in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the comics community, sort of like what Paulo and Dan were saying that, that they, they helped me through all that.
0: First and foremost, I, I'm sorry for your loss. And, um, I know, um, I, I tragically lost my grandfather when I was was six years old and, and, you know, so decades and decades later, it, that loss can still be fresh and new. And, and and before we hit the record button, we were talking about escapism. and And it's really, it's really amazing that you found something that you can pour yourself into and kind of give new life into, um, a character like this. I I do, I am very curious. Um, you mentioned DID, um, and that immediately made me think of a character like Mark Spector. Um, I'm not sure if you've gotten the chance to see the Moon Knight series or read any of the comics. Have you, have you, um, with, with a character like that kind of being at the forefront, what's your take on that? So
2: I've I've never really been into Moon Knight as a a comic book character. Um, I did make a point to watch all of the show because I knew that that was going to be a conversation that I was going to have to have with people. Um, I honestly think the show did a pretty good job of showcasing did as a you know a a condition that you can live with while also still functioning as a superhero story there was some stuff that was definitely sensationalized um to, to my experience but uh you know that's kind of par for the course i'll definitely take it over something like like split you know, like I, I felt like it was definitely more sensitive than that. My my only major issue with the show is they never actually used the phrase "dissociative right. identity disorder." I feel like for me, as an educational tool, that would have made it a lot better. Um, but overall, they treated it with sensitivity, and you know, it was well acted, and it had that marvel studios gloss on it which can't be denied so i i i i did i think that they did a good job with it i honestly think in some ways they did my, my previous benchmark for this kind of thing in pop culture was in fact that the another superhero show is the doom patrol show um which i think yes. had done had done a fairly good job in its first two uh first few seasons but i think moon knight actually did a slightly better job in some ways. So, um, you know, my hat's off to them for, for doing the work. Thank you for sharing that. No problem.
1: All right, so changing gears, Dan, same question, but obviously with Latex Avenger, uh, that's certainly an attention-grabbing moniker. Uh, what's sort of the origin of that character?
3: All right, so uh, I have, at that point in my life, I had been working for a greeting card company and uh, illustrating uh, humorous I Jewish did, greeting. I did cards. not see
0: it going that way.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, no left. left, Sorry. left, uh, left <laughs> Comments coming from all over the place. I was working. Uh, I was. Uh, I was at working for. Uh, I was mine. It was a humorous Jewish greeting card company. My sister and I had always made the comment: you can't find a funny greeting card for somebody. You know in the tribe and so we decided to make a go of it and make a uh, make a line of greeting cards took it to shows all over the country and you know had some good clients and did some things with it but ultimately it did not you know pan out and uh i the main characters of the comic uh, of the card line were these characters that were inspired from my grandparents and all i had left after the company was over was you know a few bucks and i had these characters this uh, these grandparents my grandparents. And I called them Solomon Myra Glickman. And so they were actually, those two characters were actually the, the beginning of Latex Avenger because I wanted to do something different after that project was done that was so not sweet, not kind, not cuddly. And uh, what could be over the top and ridiculous and we can make a comic book out of? Because I always, uh, I, I'd done some stuff in comics early on, but this was really my first big thing. And... Uh, Latex Avenger was born and uh Latex Avenger he has a sidekick named Spermicidal Foam Lad and together they repel crime 99.9% of the time. So uh it's uh it's like Were a superhero satire super family guy Uh no but uh you know, oh now I know what you're saying though nice. Uh no uh, that's, that's immediately like, like when I hear when I hear that product I, that's immediately what I think yeah. of. So what I uh um what I often hear about it is people think it reminds them of the tick, uh, and it reminds them of of orgasmo. Okay. So the, the movie by the guys from, uh, South park. So I get a lot of that. I'll take that as a compliment, you know, because, uh, you know, those are two, you know, I mean, I'm orgasmo is okay. The tick's awesome. Uh, but you know, if that helps paint the picture for people, that's cool. But it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's this ridiculously over the top, uh, Just, just it's an over-the-top story that's super. That uh, it's it's superheroes on on you know on steroids to you know with of attitudes and you know just craziness. So you've got characters like Kosher the Pig, who's like uh, who was a character that uh, he was like the voice of reason in the whole comic. My grandparents are in the comic. Uh, You know, you've got Latex Avenger, you got Spermicide Foam Lad, but then you got like just a host of crazy characters and villains that show up along the way. Um, the one issue that I did was uh, it was called the wrath of Khan. It was, uh, I, I wrote it, Bon Adami drew it. And um, it was, uh, it took place at a comic book convention. They were going there to sign uh, headshots of themselves for the, for the public. And it was really based on stories that had happened to me and Bon at comic conventions. So we just made it an autobiographical tale and put the characters in our place and just turn the volume up to 11. I mean, I think it's like pro wrestling. You know, uh, the great characters are always the ones with the, the regular attitudes with the volume just turned way up. And so that's what we did with, uh, with what I did with Latex Avenger. It was just over the top ridiculous at all times. I mean, you had a character in the first issue named Manabus, who was a kaiju pot monster that crushed the city and like lit himself on fire and made everybody high. And I mean, just <laughs> just just ridiculous stuff. So it was my freshman book. Uh, but uh, you know, the first thing I really did as a cre- creator own comics, but and it kind of led the way to other things. And uh, when Drew said, let's do this, I mean, how do you say no to working with Drew Edwards and Halloween Man? And you know, so here we are today.
0: Um, so you're also, you've also done uh, work on a series called uh, Bigfoot Knows Karate. So you, you got to tell us about that.
3: Sure. Uh, so Bigfoot is the, my fourth creator owned series, actually. Um, so like uh, with latex, with like a latex Avenger, it's, it's heavy comedy, right? And pretty much everything I worked on previous to this was heavy comedy. Uh, latex Avenger, masters of the obvious, which was like characters like Dr. Biclops, he's got two eyes and the visible woman. You can't miss her. Um, and I, you know, did that. And then uh, Bigfoot was what happened. I, I, so I left comics for a while. I did a thing for the Stan Lee foundation, uh, and Pow entertainment called, uh, Excelsior, the uphill adventures of a boy named Stanley. And after that, Bon and I were both kind of exhausted and needed a break. And a lot of things happened in that time. Uh, Bon, unfortunately, actually passed away. Uh, and, uh, which was heartbreaking. And I, and I just needed to break from comics and, um, Drew and I were talking about this crossover that we'll talk more about in a little bit. Uh, you, you know, we started talking about this and some other things happened and I did something with Drew and Paulo as well. We did a book together and um, and it got me working on, uh, you know, okay, well it's time to do something different. And I've been sketching this Bigfoot who does, you know, doing, kung fu and karate and you know and my co-writer on bigfoot had seen what i was doing and i'd been doodling it for a few years like 2017 2018 and he's like you've got to do something with this well the pandemic and boredom and all of that just kind of wore in and my wife said to me you've got to, you got you know you why don't you make another comic book it's been years since you've done that the kids are all kind of grown up now let's you know go ahead and so now I've got this uh, gentle cryptid warrior who lives in a world where anyone can be the hunter and anyone can be the prey at ev- any given time. And he goes up against Kung Fu Thulu in this, uh, it's Bigfoot versus Kung Fu Thulu in uh, like the cryptid showdown of the century. It's, uh, it's action adventure. It's psychological thriller. It's, you know, it's uh, Godzilla versus Kong meets Kill Bill uh, you know, with, a just a ridiculous twist. Uh, I put it up on Kickstarter in October and, uh, you know, asked for a thousand dollar goal and on Kickstarter and we raised $7,300, uh, with 200 plus backers, which I couldn't be more grateful for. It was amazing. And it was just the, you know, it was a fun way to come back to doing comics. I'm, I'm co-writing it, I'm drawing it and just having a blast. But, uh, you know, it all started with Latex Avenger for me. So to sit here and be working with two of my good friends that I've known for a long time in Austin Comics, that's amazing. I also like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also
0: get like Samurai Jack vibes from this. And that's really cool. The
3: uh, Yeah, I've heard that a lot, too. So that's a uh, I've, I've seen Samurai Jack for about 20 minutes, about Fifteen years ago, with my nephew, it was beautiful. Right. <laughs> I remember. I remember thinking it was gorgeous. So again, like somebody says to me, it reminds me of Sam Jack. Awesome, because it's beautiful work. I, I've not sat down and watched the series. I look forward to one day sitting down to watch the series, but I've got to finish what I'm working on before I look at that because I don't ever want to. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you don't want anything seeping in, or you don't want to know what's going on. So you know. You so to kind of keep my mind fresh with the comic, but I love. The work that I've seen from Samurai Jack, and so, in fact, an artist named Dennis Valencia did a piece of Bigfoot Nose Karate fan art that had Samurai Jack and Bigfoot together with the Kung Fu Thulu character and the big bad from uh, from Samurai Jack, and it was one of like ninety pieces of fan art we received for Bigfoot Nose Karate, and it, it's just a beautiful piece. So.
1: All right, so just uh, to change uh, gears to your crossover now, um, what made you all decide to have a crossover between these two incredibly, let's say, distinctive and different characters?
2: I When when Halloween Man started out, it was much more of a comedy book, and it it still has a strong connection to comedy, and that's something I think Dan and I share um but you know it's also just the 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 thrill of working with other characters that are in texas and in this city and um you know i think the the humor of this is very character based because you have the the halloween man characters that they are a notch more serious than the the characters from the latex avenger and it's 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 very much the issue very much plays out like the latex avenger invading a typical issue of halloween man like they're he's kind of your through line into the halloween man world in some ways because this isn't a crossover where you, you you know, nowadays, like, you know, you would have like the portal open up and they would be going into two different world. You'd have two different worlds colliding with each other. This like latex Avenger just kind of shows up in, in a coffee house in solar city, which is where Halloween man lives. And they have an adventure together. It's, it's very old fashioned in that way. It's, it's kind of like the, the Spider-Man meets Superman issue. Um, I, I mean, Dan, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm getting, getting this correct?
3: No, I think you're nailing it. It's, uh, you know how uh, Latex Avenger made it to Solar City from Get Ontopolis without a without a car was incredible to me because he actually doesn't has a revoked license and uses a bus pass. So <laughs> uh it is, yeah, no, it is it, it is very classic old school crossover in that regard. And yeah, I think the through line statement Drew is right on the money. It's kind of like when you watch. Uh, uh, you're watching your favorite sitcom and then they're going to spin something off they're going to do a spin off and so they're introducing the characters for the spin off into the regular story and then they'll that new one will come out it's kind of like that where it's kind of focused a li- uh, the story is you know you've got latex avenger and Spermicidal phone Lad kind of walking through and saying hi except there's not going to be a spin off it's just they're just kind of walking through and saying hi and um but the it's the tension and the the comedy between the, the between the characters that really makes this um, latex avenger being the the jerk that he is uh, finds immediate interest in Lucy Chaplin uh, Solomon Halloween Man's uh, girlfriend, and so uh, being you know just the just the overly macho schmuck that he is he can't resist and calamity ensues because if a half man half zombie saw some you know schmuck in a uh in a prophylactic (laughs) condom mask hitting on his girlfriend how do you think that would go over and i think you've got a lot of uh it's a lot of uh funny looks and and, uh, and a lot of uh good just a lot of good back and forth between the characters and i think that it makes it a lot of fun it's like it's like a comic book sitcom in that regard like one episode like that
2: Uh, you you say that there's no spinoff but nothing would make me happier if this this reignited interest in the latex avenger and uh you you were you were able to keep bringing the magic of of latex avenger to the to the masses
3: it's, it's, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's just such an honor for him to be coming around in a Halloween man book and hanging out. Um, because I mean, like we said, we've known each other a long time and you know, this isn't the first time we've worked together. The, the three of us even, cause we did, uh, an issue of uh, Halloween man, uh, the bat city special years ago, where it was like an all Austin issue of creators working on Halloween man stories. And, uh, you know, Paulo had a had a story in there. He did the art on I did uh, art on a on a story. And so and that actually started off with the originally was this crossover that began that whole thing. So it's funny how this crossover has uh, made a lot of different things happen. um, With for all of us, Uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Or keeping with the
0: pro wrestling montage uh paulo what made you tag in and and jump into this project in particular
4: being that uh i think dan and drew are amazing comic creators themselves them asking me to be part of this was like a pretty much an honor for me uh because um i knew that uh dan and and bond were really close when they were making the latex avenger comic and so for him to to sort of let me have my take on his character and it would it not being bond like i i felt like that was an honor that i i really want i you know i wanted to take advantage of and um uh i um and also i i'd been wanting to work on more stuff with uh drew on halloween man so having both of those things come together in one comic is sort of like a dream come true to me so I I immediately wanted to you know jump on it as soon as I could. So so yeah, when they told me about it, that that's what drew me to it because I really liked the Halloween Man stories. I really liked uh, laughing to Latex Avenger, and so you know it it was uh it was pretty awesome how it all came together.
1: So uh, Drew, can you give us uh, some details on the crowdfunding specifics for this project?
2: So we're going to be launching uh on on Indiegogo uh on July 6th. It's going to run for about 6 weeks. Uh we're 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 trying to raise a, a grand, which isn't that, you know, that big of a goal, but you know naturally we hope we're going to do even more than that, but that's where our our starting goal is. And you know, that's just like the 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 sort of bare bones minimum we would like to do, you know, better and better and better but uh you know crowdfunding is i think an under you know the thing that i i always tell people about crowdfunding is how much uh how much work it actually is and i think dan would also attest to that here hear. Um, yeah like like i think a lot of people is like oh you're just posting a lot on social media about your your project that's it's. It's very like you. You get kind of exhausted from being in everybody's face. I after about a, a week, like you. You've caught us now at the like the start of promoting this, so we're all still like peppy and good and in good spirits. <laughs> I think in another a few weeks, we're gonna we're gonna have like hoarse voices and you know be be more jaded and cynical. But uh, you know now, uh, you know. I I also think crowdfunding is wonderful because it's, it's, it's even the playing field a lot between, uh, you know, indies and, and mainstream books, because you, you can, if you think that there's going to be an audience for something, you can, you can go out and you can, you know, reach out to people and do it. And I definitely know, um, at least in Texas, you know, hopefully nationwide, but at least in Texas, that, that there is, an interest in these two characters meeting each other. Um, I know I kind of went a little far afield of the
0: initial question,
2: but there you
0: go. The one-page teaser image that we saw hints at some biting social commentary, uh, caffeinated commentary, should I say. Is uh, that something that readers can expect in this title, or is that something that's traditionally been part of these characters?
2: I think... That's other you know like halloween man there there's definitely like a satirical bent to a lot of the stories. This probably has a lot to say about toxic, toxic masculinity as a concept. Uh, I, I yeah. think I think Dan would probably agree <laughs> gonna, with that. I, I guess I guess, I guess yeah. I guess <laughs> I guess to be more direct,
0: do you guys have bad recent experiences at Starbucks? Is guess what I'm asking? <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I've I've never had really? a good
3: experience at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> is are you looking at the uh, are you looking at the artwork from uh, the variant cover? That's what he's referring to is your your
2: excellent homage, (laughs) Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, no. um, When the opportunity came to do a cover and uh, I was thinking through, I'm like, I'm going to do an homage cover or something. I'm looking through a million covers and I saw Speedy doing heroin. I just thought, okay, so I immediately got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you you immediately got it. I I, I feel cultured now. (laughs) You are definitely cultured.
1: So in addition to the book itself, are there any additional rewards or incentives that uh, backers can look forward to here?
2: Yeah. So there's going to be, you know, one of my favorite tiers and actually, uh, you know, from, from a, from a crowdfund I did last year, we're actually including some winners in this book, but what I always tend to include is a, a tier that you can buy into, or you actually can get a cameo in a future issue of Halloween, man. And again, in fact, uh, there are two fans that are that Paulo is drawing into the book. Um, I also tend to offer a lot of because I have a big back catalog. Halloween Man is a 22 year old uh, indie book at this point, and uh, so I tend to offer a lot of the other Halloween Man titles up as something that you can you can buy along with the new book. And you know certainly we're going to probably be find a way to offer some some Latex Avenger books
3: as well. And we're also going to be doing, uh, we're doing our regular edition as well as the deluxe with some extras in there, right, Drew? Yeah, and a and a
2: and a commentary from from us as creators. So if you think you're that we're really witty and want to spend more time with us, uh, you're gonna you can <laughs> you can get a, a, a code that will allow you to listen to us talk about the creation of this comic
0: even more. Now, is there a special tier that includes a latex Avenger mask or is that more of a DIY thing? Oh, well, that's a DIY project. But
3: if you do do that, please hashtag Latex Avenger on Instagram so I can see along with that. Um I've got to see that. I need to see that. I've been wanting that for years. I had any. I cause, have any a,
0: we haven't have, had any latex Avenger cosplayers at all.
3: No, there was a there was a visible woman cosplayer years back in the day, but you know, I've never had a uh, latex avenger cosplayer and i might uh, i know a guy who says he's gonna do a big nose karate cosplay but uh we'll see when that happens so. you know
2: i always said that when i got caught co- cosplayers that i would feel finally feel successful as a comic book creator and then i reached that point and then i had to, to move up the benchmark so uh then i started saying that i needed uh you know, pornographic fan fiction. <laughs> As it turns it out, somebody actually wrote pornographic Halloween man fan fiction. So now, now I have to, again. I have to up it again. I don't know where to go from there though.
3: That sounds like a poll for Twitter waiting to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so indie comics can be, you know, tough sledding. It's a slog sometimes when it comes to getting your name and your work recognized uh what advice would each of you give to aspiring creators uh let's go ahead and start with Dan
3: all right if you're a reader or if you're a writer read if you're an artist study everyone i mean just look at everything because i mean like i mentioned my my comic book uh you know uh in you know the people i look up to in comics but you know i draw inspiration from so much whether it's you know comedy movies or you know or just, you know, a funny conversation I hear people having, just be a student of everything that goes on around you and don't give up. I mean, just don't give up. This is hard. If you think, if you think this is easy, you're fooling yourself, but we're all lovers of the craft. And so if you want to make, you know, want to make a dent in this, you know, really put it out there. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you to go work for Marvel or DC cuz that's not my interest. All I know is I want to make great characters and make, you know, come up with cool IP and, you know, tell an awesome story. So my wife told me this when I got back into doing this stuff, have fun. And like as long as this keeps being fun, I'll keep doing it.
1: So do that too. Have fun with it. All right, how about Paulo? What do you think?
4: Um, yeah. Uh also as an artist, you if you're starting out, you just keep drawing, keep drawing, don't give up. And I, I was reading this book, um, uh, about, um, I forgot what it was. it was. a. I think it was an inspiring artist type of book. And it had a forward from Adam Warren, which is my favorite artist. And he said, uh, if, if you don't, if you, if you want to be famous and you want to be well-known and you want to make lots of money, don't get into comics. Like you, when you get into comics, it will be hard. It will be tough. It'll be, it's gonna, it's it's gonna take you to your, to your limits, but you do it because you love to do it. Don't do it for fame. Don't do it for money. You're going to do it because you love to do it. And that's, what's going to give you your staying power. And so I always, I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that, that uh, speaks to me. So I was like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be able to tell the stories. And I I love this craft. I love doing it. So I'd say get in for the right reasons. Make sure you, you're going in because you love telling a story or drawing a, a story or drawing pictures and, and whatnot.
1: Uh, and finally, Drew.
2: You know, to kind of dovetail off of what Paulo was just saying, I think get yourself in and ready for the long haul because comics are an industry in a craft that is very much about the long game. I didn't really have any real success in the comic book industry until I was nearing in on the, the 20 year mark. And I started to get more renown and more respect. And, you know, it wasn't until actually the the first year of the pandemic that I was able to make comics, my full-time job. So, you know, you're going to get discouraged. You're, you're, you're going to get down on yourself. You know, I urge you to power through that, you know, keep your eye on the prize and, you know, like Paulo says, like do it because you love it because that's, that's, what's going to get you through some, some days because, you know, at least initially, you know, you're not going to get a lot of people, uh, patting, patting you on the back. And, you know, it's an incredibly, competitive industry. So uh again, just expect to
0: have to long haul it. All right. Now the fun part. Are there any future projects that you guys can tease our audience? Dan, you want to go first? I feel
2: like you got the most uh, the plug.
3: Uh sure. Uh well aside from this amazing book, Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger, uh I'm also working on Bigfoot Nose Karate Chapter Two: Born Under a Bad Bad Sign right now. That will be on Kickstarter in October uh, this year. So um, please check that out. Um, You can find out more about the project at BigfootNoseKarate.com, or you can follow me at on Instagram and Twitter at Danomite139. D a n o m y t e one three nine uh, especially on Instagram. You can follow along with that. I'm posting uh, artwork from the book and Casey's posting stuff from uh, from, uh, from there as well. So um, yeah, Bigfoot Nose Karate Chapter 2, October 2022. Kickstarter.
2: So a lot of things are in flux with Halloween Man right now, and that's stuff I'm going to be able to go into tonight. But uh, I can say that Halloween Man issue 28 is coming out uh, on Comixology very soon. Um, it's it's the second part of our big Mister Hyde story because one of my goals is to hit all of the uh, sort of famous monsters of film land throughout the history of the comic. So I finally got around to doing Mister Hyde, um, and you know it's it's looking it's looking really good uh, and it's coming together nice and I'm really proud with how. It's coming out. Um, but uh I have to keep tight lipped about a lot of my future pro- projects. But I I if you you're curious about that and curious about what I do, absolutely follow me on social media on Instagram. I'm Drew underscore Halloween and on Twitter, I am Halloween All one word, all lowercase. And if you you want to follow Halloween Man on Facebook, it's just www.halloweenman.com. Takes you right to our Facebook group.
4: And as far as for me, um, I actually want to start something after this. I'm actually working on another project for someone else. Um, But I don't know how much I can say about that one. But um, I do want to work on a comic of my own. Which is actually a, a work that I, um, I I started writing it with Dan, actually. Uh, at one point, we were at part of a collective to to make stories, to make comic book stories, and to make comic books. And well, we worked on it, and we never did anything with it, but I really like the story, and I really think there's an audience for it. But uh, that's probably what I'm gonna be working on after this, and it's it's basically, Alien Nation, but like with souls, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, but it's it's pretty awesome. I, I think it's gonna be pretty awesome, and uh, I really liked Alien Nation when I was a kid. I used to watch like reruns of that, and uh, I, I like the idea of have aliens and we we're like working together and all the weird stuff that they do and like the whole crime drama type of thing. I thought that would be really cool. But yeah, you can find me actually on um, on Instagram. Uh, just look up P-A-U-L-O-J-H-D-Z, which is Paulo J. Hernandez uh, abbreviated. Uh, that's me on Instagram. Or you can go to my website, which is www.p-a-u-l-o-j-h-d-z. Uh, com and that's my website all right that beautifully ties in
0: our next question
1: yes it does doesn't it so uh we were just gonna <laughs> ask where can people go to support your work so <laughs> so sorry did, did we miss that's anybody in...
3: <laughs> i think we all jumped the gun on that one i think I, th- I think i started that my bad uh, uh there's
2: nothing wrong with it. Well, I I would say if you want to read more Halloween Man for the time being, check it out on Comixology. uh, Search Halloween Man or Halloween Man Comics. If you want to directly support me, I am on Patreon as just Halloween Man Comics. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, you get to read the comics sooner and you... uh, you also get like lots of cool stuff. Like you get to see scripts, production art, you get to be part of an exclusive fan chat every month. So it's, it's a fun group of people
3: and it's a fun, uh, it's a fun community. To support Bigfoot nose karate. Yeah, you can, you can check that out. Uh, Bigfootnosekarate.com. There's a link on there to, that will take you to my CWS bookstore.com web uh, store where you can pick up a copy of Bigfoot nose karate, the physical copy uh, if you mention this podcast to me in a DM though, uh, I'm maybe I'll slide you a digital copy for free. So, um, the, Ooh. yeah, so happy to do that. So, uh, please mention nerd by word to me in a, in a DM over Instagram. I'll, I'll send you a Google link or something like that. Uh, check out the comic, you know, here's the thing. I'm just excited to people to read it at this point in the game. I'm, you know, so grateful to everyone on Instagram and Twitter who have taken part and you know followed the book everybody supported the kickstarter people you know everyone at the conventions who have picked up a copy i'm just happy for people to read it and hopefully you know pick up uh follow us for uh kickstarter for the kickstarter in october for chapter two all right
0: ladies and gentle people thank you uh so much for um joining us today indiegogo july the 6th i get that right drew yep Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger. Dan, Paulo, Drew, thank you so much for your time this evening and all the best of luck to you in this endeavor and all those in the future. Thank,
2: thank you awesome. so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Had a great time.
0: All right. Thanks so much to Drew Edwards, Dan Price, and Paulo Hernandez for taking the time to speak with us. Be sure to head to Indiegogo on July the 6th for Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger. Um, Again, that's on Indiegogo, July the 6th, and support their work if you so can. When we come back from this, our final break, we are coming with two more patented nerd commendations. Stick around. Hello, this is Lafayette. And I'm Carlos. From Nerds Talking the Podcast. That's right. Where we talk about everything from UFOs, yep. comic books, like movies, uh-huh. streaming services, yeah. conspiracy theories, oh. ghosts, mm. video games, yeah. and more. kick ass. All on Nerds Talking the Podcast. You can find us every Friday with new episodes on all digital platforms where you find your favorite podcast, Nerds Talking the Podcast. Now back to the show. Welcome back to our final and favorite segment. You know it as... All right, Dave, you've got a reclamation project of sorts with a particular creator, I hear.
1: Yeah, you know, I I had, um, I guess you could say, a falling out of sorts with the writings of one Tom King. Uh, after uh, a event comic he wrote for DC called Heroes in Crisis, um, I have spoken before um, on this show about you know the problems I had with with the the whole setup of the thing and and how the storyline progressed and what the ultimate ultimate conclusion to it was, and so I, I didn't have a very very high opinion. Um, of of this writer's work at DC after that and kind of avoided it. And I think it is time for me to maybe uh, perhaps reevaluate that a little bit. Um, I have spent some time uh, getting caught up on some super adjacent books, as uh, our listeners know, I'm a big Superman fan, Um, and came across uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And uh, I'm I, I'm I'm in love, Chris. I, I think there's no other way to put it. I think this is probably the, the best um most quintessential supergirl story that I have read. Um it is it is amazing. It is sort of a, a sci-fi fantasy um approach to the character with a healthy dose of true grit thrown in which i think is, is is so cool and such a neat approach to the character it basically recasts cara zorel as uh, as rooster cogburn in a lot of ways which is just so it is so cool um so so basically the setup is that supergirl uh, turns 21 and has decided that she wants to get drunk um but she cannot because under a yellow sun she's so powerful she her body literally cannot get drunk so she decides to fly as far as she can um, hop onto a space uh, ship, you know, rent a spaceship and fly to a planet that has a red sun. So she can sit in a bar and celebrate her 21st birthday. <laughs> um, and her path, uh, you know, cross, she crosses paths with a, a girl whose um, father uh, was killed. Um, and she is on a mission of revenge and basically enlists Supergirl um, through you know various circumstances to help her hunt down this guy, and of course, uh, this girl's intention is uh, to kill you know the, the killer of her father, and and so Supergirl and this girl go on this epic journey basically uh, through the cosmos trying to hunt down this guy, and and this eight issue miniseries um, sort of chronicles their adventures together, and it is first of all gorgeous in ways that I cannot even begin to describe. Uh, the illustrator Bilquis Evely is is knocks this book out of the park. Um the facial expressions even just like even what 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 Evely does with with Supergirl's hair and how it frames her, uh, it's it's the kind of gorgeous art that is absolutely through the roof. Uh, since they are traveling, you know, through space, there are all these different alien races they encounter. They're all interesting and and distinct, and and even the aliens that are glimpsed for like two page segments or something are, are you know interesting. And all the different planets they visit, you want to know more about. There are. So many cool things about this book. Uh, the writing is sharp. Supergirl is, um, you know, there's a nice contrast drawn here. This is something that the character oftentimes struggles with. I think a lot of um, adjacent characters struggle with that. I think, you know, that's something that Nightwing struggled with, with a while. How 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 do you make Nightwing distinct from Batman? You know, how do you make Superboy distinct from Superman? How do you make Supergirl distinct from Superman? And, and Supergirl here, he, she is... Incredibly distinct from Superman, um, her her attitude and and the way she carries herself is very different from Superman, uh, and still very super. Uh, she also, you know, you know, has a potty mouth a little occasionally when it warrants, and I think that's really cool too because she she even I think mentions that that Clark would probably chastise her for that a little bit, um, but she's you know her she's her own woman. Uh, there's a great scene where she is uh, sitting like in a, in a bar, and this guy approaches her, this alien, and it's like your your cousin threw, um, you know my uh, my brothers into the Phantom Zone. Are you Supergirl? Because if you are, I want to take my revenge. And she says, "I don't know. I'm wearing a red cape, and I got a big you know S on my chest. Who the blank do you think I am? You know, like, it's <laughs> it's just she is so good in this book. I I have to say that." It is probably my favorite Supergirl story, and I, and I have read a bunch. Um, and even standalone, just as a, like a true grid and space kind of story, it just works from top to bottom. There was one thing about the last page I found a little bit disappointing, but everything else in this book clicked perfectly. Highly recommended. Read Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Right now, the first five issues are on uh, DC Universe Infinite. Um, The other three are still coming. Um, I went ahead and I actually found the other three issues because I just wanted to finish the story. I couldn't wait. I know there's also a trade paperback that is scheduled to be released on um, uh, July 26th. So if you prefer physical, you don't have to hunt down all the issues. The collected edition is coming out in just a little over a month just you know how however you decide to read this dc universe infinite physically i don't care just go out and read this book Th- this is just such such a good supergirl story chris
0: i really i really like what what dc is doing with these like limited series um like mini or maxi series however you want to classify them because i think for me especially as a new dc reader it's it makes it very much approachable like when I see this immediately, I think I see one of eight. I'm like, OK, I mean, like okay so i do not have to like reset the wheel, you know, and, and in terms of jumping on here. And it seems very new reader friendly. As far as the art, I'm already sold just looking at the covers. I mean, it looks like a fusion of like like Frank Quietly and like Kenneth Roquefort and just like so many artists, a little Asad Rivich in there and like uh, other artists that I supremely enjoy their work. So I'm, I'm sold.
1: And the interiors, this is important to note, the interiors match the covers. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the cover artist throughout was was Evelie as well. So it's, it's you're, you know, I always hate when you have, you know, a cover that looks one way and then you open the book and the art and the inside looks completely different. But there's strong consistency here. What, what you see on the cover is what you get on the interiors. And it's absolutely stunning, Chris.
0: And, and speaking of um, Quietly, And and it looks like here is is the case with the same artist. Um, It's something I kind of take for granted with series like this. And something that I should have shouted when we were talking about All-Star Superman is just that consistency from one issue to another. I'm okay waiting for another issue if we can get like that consistency with the same writer and artist. I love that consistency. It's it like tells a complete story. And so that's something that I no longer take for granted
1: yeah totally man i yeah, i'm it's kind of like game development i'm l- li- i'm willing to wait a little longer to get the best possible product period not not a huge fan of having to constantly use like fill in artists and stuff especially if there's a very particular you know visual approach and creative vision behind the book so i i'm i totally agree with that man all right so what is your nerd commendation this week chris
0: um I talked about it on the nerdies um, a few weeks back. And then we of course visited um, the writing of valuing last week with guardians of the galaxy. But um, I think it's hard to say because like I keep saying, Oh, this is better than that. This is better than that. I think it's, it's three issues in. So I don't want to say this is the magnum opus. That's probably still on the shoulders of a mortal Hulk because that was just such a game changer. But like, it's, it's an embarrassment of wealth when you're um, an Al Ewing fan um, and a reader of, of his work. Because X-Men Red is, was probably one of the most anticipated X-Men books in recent years, simply because of everything that was developed coming out of Planet Size X-Men. Um, and long story short, basically what happened is you had this... Um, segmented group of mutants from Araco who were stuck in this like por- uh, this place called Amenth, which is like a portal, like a hellscape. And they were stuck there for thousands of years fighting back this horde of demons. And through the events of um, Planet Size X-Men, the Omega-level mutants like Magneto and Storm and Iceman were able to colonize... Um, the planet of Mars um, and terra and terraform it. I don't like the word colonize, but terraform Mars, the red planet. And so hence the name X-Men red. Um, and so finally give a place for these Iraqi mutants that spent thousands of years away from their home. And rather than create just another Island like Krakoa, um, they have now their entire planet. And so this book follows um, Storm, who was elected regent of the planet and the entire solar system. And like what is um, what does that look like? Developing this new planet, this new government? How do you go about setting up this system without disrupting the traditional government setup and the social setup that the Iraqi mutants, have done for thousands of years so it's a very heady meta type macro type book but also the micro work and like storm being an outsider from krakoa from earth being elected as this new leader and she has to earn her place because i mean just imagine if you were transplanted onto another country that you're all of a sudden the leader of, they see you as this outsider and she has to earn her place and earn the respect of this entire civilization. And then you have Magneto, one of my all time favorite characters who has fought for mutant rights and for mutant identity and mutant freedom. um, And really encapsulates like self pride and love of self as far as mutant identity and just truly one of the most compelling characters in all of comics. And he's in the latter stages of his life, and he's tired of fighting. And now that he feels this settlement of Irako is like one of like like a real nail in the coffin to where he can finally rest, almost like Thanos at the end of Infinity War. He can he can finally sit down and rest, but then. events ensue i don't want to give away too much it's only been three issues and then uh, roberto de costa sunspot is one of my all-time favorite characters just like that um snake oil salesman type uh very much like a lothario like a smooth talker businessman if you've read uh previous iterations of ewing's work writing the character like u.s avengers or new avengers um, the way Al Ewing can just absolutely nail these three characters in particular, Magneto, Storm, and Sunspot, is just. It's, it, it feels like it's written just for me. Um, so, X Men Red, particularly the events of this third issue, were just jaw dropping. Uh, it gave me one of the greatest comic book pages I've seen in the past year. Just absolutely last page, one of those where you just have to, have to sit back and take a deep breath. So, X Men Red. A very strong nerd commendation. Uh, Al Ewing, along with Stefano Casali, is really changing the game with this book.
1: Okay, this sounds really interesting, and I and I do enjoy Al Ewing's writing. We've talked uh, at length before about how I've had a hard time finding an in to the the new status quo of you know the mutants, um, but I am very interested in this kind of story, this sort of macro view whether that you know is mutant related or or not, um, I'm usually fascinated by that kind of stuff. I do have to ask a question though, because I think that's come up a, a couple of times in like uh, social media discussions that I've been seeing. Do you find? Uh, And I know what your response is going to be to a certain extent, but do you find ever that some of the uh, current X-Men books maybe have strayed almost too far away from sort of the original mission statement of what the book and those characters were about?
0: I um, I think that's a faulty frame of reference or a faulty grading system because we're looking at that from like a humanistic, like from a human perspective. And so... You know, for so long, um, the tagline to X-Men books were they protect a world that hates and fears them. And to a certain extent, at, at some point, rightly so, mutants got tired of trying to save the world um, for people who would would regularly persecute them, you know. And so I think this is a, a healthy a, like separation of that and a readjustment of the ideals because you still have the standard superhero almost like um when i nerd commended the, the the x-men main title by jerry duggan and, and and company is if you're looking for the big cape superheroics of the team that's the book for you but i see that more of like um it's like an extension, like almost like an embassy. They have a tree house in central park. And so like they have this superhero team that is specifically, you know, trying to save the world and do all the little things and stuff like that. And so I think, um, you know, the, the self preservation by mutant kind is really really important and they can still have those positive relations with the rest of the world it's just they have to protect themselves first and they had to establish that nation because how many children did they have to continue to bury to be honest you know i I neglected to mention before that this is the uh for all intents and purposes this is the successor to sword so um the scheming of one abigail brand uh the spearmint lady um takes place, uh, continues here. So she's scheming in the background and it's it's some real like covert ops type um, machinations here. That's really, really fascinating too.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great answer, man. Um, I'm very interested in this book. Uh, It seems a little bit removed from a lot of the Krakow stuff because they're trying to set up their own government and stuff. So I might try to use this one as another attempt for me to find an in into this X-Men world and the new status quo. Sounds good, man. I'm there for it.
0: Sweet. All right. Thanks once more to our three special guests, Drew Edwards, Dan Price, and Paula Hernandez. Be sure to hit up Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger on Indiegogo July the 6th. Um, And as always, if you like what you hear, please be sure to like, subscribe, uh, review five stars on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the TuneIn Radio app, or our newfangled fancy website. Thanks, Dave,
1: nerdbyword.com. And as always, you can find us on social media on uh, Twitter and Instagram at nerdbyword or individually at that nerd Chris and at that nerd Dave. Tell us what you think we should talk about next. We're always interested in hearing all about what you think of our show. And also hit us up on Discord, join our
0: server. You can chat about comics, um, films, series that you're watching, games that you're playing. Give us your own nerd commendations. We've had a lot of great input from listeners like you, so be sure to do that as well. Um, And as always,
1: stay well and stay nerdy. The Nerd Byword is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available.